the acceptable sacrifice or the excellency of a broken heart. Their sighs, their tears, their day and night groans, their cries and prayers and solitary carriages put all the carnal family out of order. Footnote. This is beautifully and most impressively described in the Pilgrim's Progress when the bitter feelings of poor Christian under convictions of sin alarm his family and put it quite out of order. Editor George Offer. End of quote. Hence you have them browbeaten by some, condemned by others, yea, and their company fled from and deserted by others. But mark the text, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise, but rather accept, for not to despise is with God to esteem and set a high price upon To the doctrine, assertion, demonstration, and conclusion that a broken and truly contrite heart is an excellent heart. But we will demonstrate by several particulars that a broken spirit, a spirit rightly broken, and heart truly contrite is to God an excellent thing. First, this is evident from the comparison. Thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, and so forth. Mark, he rejecteth sacrifices, offerings, and sacrifices. That is, all Levitical ceremonies under the law and all external performances under the gospel, but accepteth a broken heart. It is therefore manifest by this, were there nothing else to be said, that proves that a heart rightly broken, a heart truly contrite, is to God an excellent thing. For as you see, such a heart is set before all sacrifice. And yet they were the ordinances of God and things that he commanded. But lo, a broken spirit is above them all. A contrite heart goes beyond them, yea, beyond them when put all together. Thou wilt not have the one, thou wilt not despise the other. O brethren, a broken and a contrite heart is an excellent thing. Have I said a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart is esteemed above all sacrifices? I will add. Second, it is of greater esteem with God than is either heaven or earth. And that is more than to be set before external duties. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? 
And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Mark, God saith, He hath made all these things, but He doth not say that He will look to them, that is, take complacency and delight in them. No, there is that wanting in all that He hath made that should take up and delight His heart. But now, let a broken-hearted sinner come before him. Yea, he ranges the world throughout to find out such an one. And having found him, to this man saith he, Will I look? I say again, that such a man to him is of more value than is either heaven or earth. They saith he, shall wax old. They shall perish and vanish away. But this man, he continues. He, as is presented to us in another place, under another character, he shall abide forever. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, 1 John 2, 17. To this man will I look. With this man will I be delighted. For so to look doth sometimes signify, Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse, saith Christ to his humble-hearted, Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes. Songs 4.9 While it is as a conduit to let the rivers out of thy broken heart, I am taken saith he, with one chain of thy neck. Songs 4.9 Here you see he looks and is ravished. He looks and is taken, as it saith in another place. The king is held in the galleries, that is, is taken with his beloved, with the dove's eyes of his beloved, with the contrite spirit of his people. Songs 7, 5, Songs 1, 15. But it is not thus reported of him with respect to heaven or earth. Them he sets more lightly by. Them he reserves unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3 and 7. But the broken in heart are his beloved his jewels. Wherefore, what I have said as to this must go for the truth of God, to wit, that a broken-hearted sinner, a sinner with a contrite spirit, is of more esteem with God than is either heaven or earth. He saith he hath made them, but he doth not say he will look to them. He saith they are his throne and footstool. But he doth not say 
they have taken or ravished his heart. No, it is those that are of a contrite spirit do this, but there is yet more in the words, to this man will I look. That is, for this man will I care, about this man will I camp. I will put this man under my protection, for so to look to one does sometimes signify, and I take the meaning in this place to be such. Proverbs 27:23, Jeremiah 39:12, Jeremiah 40 and 4. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. Psalms 145.14 And the brokenhearted are of this number. Wherefore he careth for, campeth about, and hath set his eyes upon such an one for good. This, therefore, is a second demonstration to prove that the man that hath his spirit rightly broken his heart truly contrite is of great esteem with God. Third, yet further, God doth not only prefer such an one, as has been said before heaven and earth, but he loveth. He desireth to have that man for an intimate, for a companion. He must dwell. He must cohabit with him that is of a broken heart, with such as are of a contrite spirit. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, and so forth. Isaiah 57:15. Behold here both the majesty and condescension of the high and lofty one, his majesty, in that he is high and the inhabitor of eternity. I am the high and lofty one, saith he, I inhabit eternity. Verily this consideration is enough to make the broken-hearted man creep into a mouse hole to hide himself from such a majesty. But behold his heart, his condescending mind. I am for dwelling also with him that hath a broken heart, with him that is of a contrite spirit. That is the man that I would converse with. That is the man with whom I will cohabit. That is he, says God, I will choose for my companion. For to desire to dwell with one supposes all these things, and verily of all the men in the world, none have acquaintance with God, none understand what communion with him and what his teachings mean but such as are of a broken and contrite heart. He is nigh unto them that are of a broken spirit. 
Psalms 34:18. These are they intended in the 14th Psalm, where it is said, The Lord looked down from heaven to see if any did understand and seek God, that he might find somebody in the world with whom he might converse. For indeed, there is none else that either understand or that can tend to hearken to him. God, as I may say, is forced to break men's hearts before he can make them willing to cry to him or be willing that he should have any concerns with them. The rest shut their eyes, stop their ears, withdraw their hearts, or say unto God, Be gone, Job 21:14. But now the broken in heart can tend it. He has leisure, yea, leisure and will and understanding and all, and therefore is a fit man to have to do with God. There is room also in this man's house, in this man's heart, in this man's spirit for God to dwell, for God to walk, for God to set up a kingdom. Here, therefore, is suitableness. Can two walk together, saith God, except they be agreed? Amos 3 and 3. The brokenhearted, Desireth God's company. When wilt thou come unto me, saith he, the brokenhearted loveth to hear God speak and talk to him. Here is a suitableness. Make me, saith he, to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Psalms 51 8. But here lies the glory in that the high and lofty one, the God that inhabiteth eternity, and that was a high and holy place for his habitation, should choose to dwell with and to be a companion of the broken in heart and of them that are of a contrite spirit. Yea, and here also is great comfort for such. Fourth, God doth not only prefer such a heart before all sacrifices, nor esteems such a man above heaven and earth, nor yet only desire to be of his acquaintance, but he reserveth for him his chief comforts, his heart reviving and soul cherishing cordials. I dwell, saith he, with such to revive them, and to support and comfort them, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57:15. The broken-hearted man is a fainting man. He has his qualms, his sinking fits. He oft-time dies away with pain and fear. He must be stayed with flagons and comforted with apples, or else he cannot tell what to do. He pines. He pines away in his iniquity. 
nor can anything keep him alive and make him well but the comforts and cordials of Almighty God. Exodus 33, 10 and 11. Wherefore with such an one God will dwell to revive the heart, to revive the spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God has cordials, but they are to comfort them that are cast down, 2 Corinthians 7, 6. And such are the brokenhearted. As for them that are whole, they need not the physician, Mark 2, 17. They are the broken in spirit that stand in need of cordials. Physicians are men of no esteem but with them that feel their sickness. And this is one reason why God is so little accounted of in the world even because they have not been made sick by the wounding stroke of God. But now, when a man is wounded, has his bones broken, or is made sick and laid at the grave's mouth, who is of that esteem with him, as is an able physician? What is so much desired as are the cordials, comforts, and suitable supplies of the skillful physician in those matters. And thus it is with the brokenhearted. He needs, and God has prepared for him, plenty of the comforts and cordials of heaven to succor and relieve his sinking soul. Wherefore, such a one lieth under all the promises that have succor in them, and consolation for men sick and desponding under the sense of sin, and the heavy wrath of God, and they, says God, shall be refreshed and revived with them. Yea, they are designed for them. He hath therefore broken their hearts. He hath therefore wounded their spirits that he might make them apt to relish his reviving cordials, that he might minister to them his reviving comforts. For indeed, so soon as he hath broken them, his bowels yearn, and his compassions roll up and down within him, and will not suffer him to abide afflicting. Ephraim was one of these, but so soon as God had smitten him, behold his heart, how it works towards him. Is Ephraim, saith he, my dear son, that is, he is so. Is he a pleasant child, that is, he is so. For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 18 through 20. This, therefore, is another demonstration. Fifth, as God prefers such a heart and esteems the man that has it above heaven and earth, as he covets intimacy with such a an one and prepares for him his cordials, 
so when he sent his son Jesus into the world to be a savior he gave him in special a charge to take care of such yea that was one of the main reasons he sent him down from heaven anointed for his work on earth the spirit of the Lord God is upon me saith he because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and so forth. Luke 4.18, Isaiah 61.1 Now, that this is meant of Christ is confirmed by his own lips, for in the days of his flesh he takes this book in his hand when he was in the synagogue at Nazareth and read this very place unto the people and then tells them that that very day that scripture was fulfilled in their ears Luke 6, 16-18 but see these are the souls whose welfare is contrived in the heavens God consulted their salvation their deliverance their health before his son came down from thence. Doth not therefore this demonstrate that a broken-hearted man, that a man of a contrite spirit, is of great esteem with God? I have often wondered at David that he should give Joab and the men of war a charge, that they take heed, that they carry it tenderly to that young rebel Absalom his son Second Samuel 18 and 5 but that God the high God the God against whom we have sinned should so soon as he has smitten give his son a command a charge a commission to take care of to bind up and heal the broken in heart this is that which can never be sufficiently admired or wondered at by men or angels. And as this was his commission, so he acted as is evidently set forth by the parable of the man who fell among thieves. He went to him, poured into his wounds wine and oil. He bound him up, took him, set him upon his own beast, had him to an inn, gave the host a charge to look well to him with money in hand, and a promise at his return to recompense him in what further he should be expensive while he was under his care. Luke 10, 30-35 Behold, therefore, the care of God which he has for the broken in heart. He has given a charge to Christ his Son, to look well to them, and to bind up and heal their wounds. Behold also the faithfulness of Christ, who doth not hide, but read this commission as soon as he entereth upon his ministry, and also falls into the practical part thereof. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. Psalms 147.3 and behold again, into whose care a broken heart and a contrite spirit hath put this poor creature. 
He is under the care of God, the care and cure of Christ. If a man was sure that his disease had put him under the special care of the king and the queen, yet could he not be sure of life, he might die under their sovereign hands. Hey, but here is a man in the favor of God and under the hand of Christ to be healed under whose hand none yet ever died for want of skill and power in him to save their life. Wherefore this man must live. Christ has in commission not only to bind up his wounds, but to heal him. He has of himself so expounded it in reading his commission. Wherefore he that has his heart broken and that is of a contrite spirit, must not only be taken in hand, but healed. Healed of his pain, grief, sorrow, sin, and fears of death and hell fire. Wherefore he adds, that he must give unto such beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and must comfort all that mourn. Isaiah 61, 2 and 3. This I say, he has in the commission, the brokenhearted are put into his hand, and he has said himself, he will heal him. Hence he says of that same man, I have seen his ways, and will heal him. I will lead him also, and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners, and I will heal him. Isaiah 57, 18, 19, and this is a fifth demonstration. Sixth, as God prefers such a heart, and so esteems the man that has it, as he desires his company, has provided for him his cordials, and given a charge to Christ to heal him, so he has promised in conclusion to save him. He saveth such as be of a contrite spirit, or as the margin has it, that be contrite of spirit. Psalms 34:18. And this is the conclusion of all. For to save a man is the end of all special mercy. He saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. To save is to forgive, for without forgiveness of sins we cannot be saved. To save is to preserve one in this miserable world, and to deliver one from all those devils, temptations, snares, and destructions that would were we not kept, were we not preserved of God, destroy us body and soul forever. To save is to bring a man body and soul to glory and to give him an eternal mansion house in heaven that he may dwell in the presence of this good God and the Lord Jesus and to sing to them the songs of his redemption forever and ever. This 
it is to be saved. Nor can anything less than this complete the salvation of the sinner. Now, this is to be the lot of him that is of a broken heart, and the end that God will make with him that is of a contrite spirit. He saveth such as be contrite of spirit. He saveth such. This is excellent. But do the broken in spirit believe this? Can they imagine that this is to be the end that God has designed them to? And that He intended to make with them in the day in which He began to break their hearts? No, no. They, alas, think quite the contrary. They are afraid that this is but the beginning of death and a token that they shall never see the face of God with comfort, either in this world or that which is to come. Hence they cry, Cast me not away from thy presence, or now I am free among the dead, whom God remembers no more. Psalms 51 and 11 Psalms 88, 4 and 5. For indeed, there goes to the breaking of the heart a visible appearance of the wrath of God and a home charge from heaven of the guilt of sin to the conscience. This to reason is very dreadful, for it cuts the soul down to the ground for a wounded spirit who, in parentheses, none, can bear. Proverbs 18.14 It seems also now to this man that this is but the beginning of hell, but as it were the first step down to the pit, when indeed all these are but the beginnings of love, and but that which makes way for life. The Lord kills before he makes alive. He wounds before his hands make whole. Yea, he does the one in order to or because he would do the other. He wounds because his purpose is to heal. He maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands make whole. Deuteronomy 32 39, 1 Samuel 2, 6, Job 5, 18. His design, I say, is the salvation of the soul. He scourgeth, he breaketh the heart of every son whom he receiveth. And woe be to him whose heart God breaketh not. And thus have I proved what at first I asserted, namely, that a spirit rightly broken and heart truly contrite is to God an excellent thing. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. For this say I first, this is evident, for that it is better than sacrifices, than all sacrifice, second. The man that has it 
is of more esteem with God than heaven or earth. Third, God covenants such a man for his intimate and house companion. Fourth, he reserveth for them his cordials and spiritual comforts. Fifth, he has given his son a charge, a commandment to take care that the brokenhearted be healed, and he is resolved to heal them. Sixth, and concluded that the brokenhearted and they that are of a contrite spirit shall be saved, that is, possessed of the heavens. Three, what a broken heart and what a contrite spirit is. I come now in order to show you what a broken heart and what a contrite spirit is. This must be done because in the discovery of this lies both the comfort of them that have it and the conviction of them that have it not. Now that I may do this the better, I must propound and speak to these four things. First, I must show you what and one that heart is that is not broken, that is not contrite. Second, I must show you how or with what the heart is broken and made contrite. Third, show you how and what it is when broken and made contrite. And fourth, I shall last of all give you some signs of a broken and contrite heart. First, for the first of these to wit, one and one that heart is that is not a broken. That is, not a contrite heart. First, the heart, before it is broken, is hard and stubborn and obstinate against God and the salvation of the soul. Zechariah 7.12, Deuteronomy 2.30, Deuteronomy 9.27. Second, it is a heart full of evil imaginations and darkness. Genesis 18 and 12, Romans 1.21. Third, it is a heart deceitful and subject to be deceived, especially about the things of an eternal concernment. Isaiah 44.20, Deuteronomy 11.16. Fourth, it is a heart that rather gathereth iniquity and vanity to itself than anything that is good for the soul. Psalms 41 and 6. And Psalms 94 and 11. Fifth, it is an unbelieving heart, and one that will turn away from God to sin. Hebrews 3.12, Deuteronomy 17.17. 17. Sixth, it is a heart not prepared for God, being uncircumcised, nor for the reception of His holy word. Second Chronicles 12. 14, Psalms 78.8, Acts 7.51. Seventh, it is a heart not single, but double. It will pretend to serve God, but will withal lean toward the devil and sin. 
Psalms 12 and 2, Ezekiel 33:31. Eight, it is a heart proud and stout. It loves not to be controlled, though the controller be God Himself. Psalms 101, 5, Proverbs 16, 5, Malachi 3, 13. Ninth, it is a heart that will give place to Satan, but will resist the Holy Ghost. Acts 5, 3, Acts 7, 51. Tenth, in a word, it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So wicked that none can know it. Jeremiah 17:9. That the heart before it is broken is such and worse than I have described it to be is sufficiently seen by the whole course of the world. Where is the man whose heart has not been broken and whose spirit is not contrite? that according to the Word of God deals honestly with his old soul. It is one character of a right heart that it is sound in God's statutes and honest. Psalms 119.18, Luke 8.15 Now an honest heart will not put off itself nor be put off with that which will not Go for current money with the merchant. I mean, with that which will not go for saving grace at the day of judgment. But alas, alas, but few men, how honest soever they are to others, have honesty towards themselves, though he is the worst of deceivers who deceiveth his own soul, as James has it, about the things of his own soul. James 1, 26 But, second, I now come to show you with what and how the heart is broken and the spirit made contrite. First, with what the heart is broken and the spirit made contrite. The instrument which with which the heart is broken and with which the spirit is made contrite is the word. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-nine. The rock in this text is the heart, which in another place is compared to an adamant. Which adamant is harder than flint? Zechariah seven eleven twelve, Ezekiel three nine. This rock, this adamant, this stony heart is broken and made contrite by the word. But it only is so when the word is as a fire and as a hammer to break and melt it, and then and then only is is as a fire and a hammer to the heart to break it when it is managed by the arm of God. No man can break the heart with the word. No angel can break the heart with the word. That is, 
if God forbears to second it by mighty power from heaven. This made Balaam go without it a heart rightly broken and truly contrite, though he was rebuked by an angel. And the Pharisees die in their sins, though rebuked for them, and admonished to turn from them by the Savior of the world. Wherefore, though the word is the instrument with which the heart is broken, yet it is not broken with the word so that word is managed by the might and power of God. This made the prophet Isaiah, after long preaching, cry out that he had labored for naught and in vain. And this made him cry to God to rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains or rocky hills or hearts might be broken and melt at his presence. Isaiah 49, 4, Isaiah 64, 1 and 2. For he found by experience that as to this no effectual work could be done unless the Lord put to his hand. This also is often intimated in the scriptures where it saith, When the preachers preached effectually to the breaking of men's hearts, the Lord wrought with them. There's a footnote here. This quotation is from the Genevan or Puritan version of the Bible. Editor George Offer. The hand of the Lord was with them, and the like. Mark 16.20, Acts 11.21. Now when the hand of the Lord is with the Word, then it is mighty. It is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Second Corinthians 10.4 It is sharp. Then as a sword in the soul and spirit, it sticks like an arrow in the hearts of sinners to the causing of the people to fall at his foot for mercy. Hebrews 4.12 Then it is as was said afore, as a fire and as a hammer to break this rock in pieces. Psalms 110 and 3. And hence the word is made mention of under a double consideration. One, as it stands by itself. Two, as attended with power from heaven. One, as it stands by itself and is not seconded with saving operation from heaven. It is called the word only, the word barely, or as if it was only the word of men. First Thessalonians one five through seven, first Corinthians four nineteen twenty, first Thessalonians two thirteen. Because then it is only as managed by men who are not able to make it accomplish that work. The Word of God, when in a man's hand only, is like the father's sword in the hand of the suckling child, which sword, though never so well pointed, and though never so sharp on the edges, is not now able to conquer a foe, to make an enemy fall, and cry out for mercy because it is but in the hand of the child. But now, 
Let the same sword be put into the hand of a skillful father. And God is both skillful and able to manage his word. And then the sinner and then the proud helpers too are both made to stoop and submit themselves. Wherefore I say, though the word be the instrument, yet of itself doth do no saving good to the soul. The heart is not broken, nor the spirit made contrite thereby. It only worketh death, and leaveth men in the chains of their sins still faster bound over to eternal condemnation. 2 Corinthians 2, 15, 16. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.